Hi, and welcome to CSF's Daily Highlights, day one of ACR 2021. My name is Len Calabrese. I'm a professor of medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. And over the course of the next four days, uh, myself, Professor Grace Wright, uh, we're gonna bring to you highlights from key posters and presentations from this conference. So some of today's most interesting sessions discussed clinical outcomes in a number of non-RA topics. And there are also two highly topical sessions covering COVID-related themes, something I'm particularly interested in and I wanna draw your attention to. We'll open our daily highlights with four abstracts describing studies involving psoriatic arthritis and Stills disease patients. And of particular interest uh, was a study uh, by my good friend, Vivica Strand and her colleagues who examined health-related quality of life questionnaire data from a phase two trial of ducravacitinib uh, in patients with active PSA. They also, they also assessed the impact on clinically meaningful and significant improvements in patient uh, quality of life uh, over the 16-week study. So uh, ducravacitinib is a agent in development um, it is an oral uh, selective inhibitor of TIC2. And this phase two uh, trial enrolled 203 psoriatic arthritis patients who had been uh, failed or were intolerant to previous therapy, including conventional DMARDs um, and uh, uh, one TNF inhibitor. Uh, so uh, a, a well-treated group, patients were randomized to two doses of the active drug or placebo. And the key results show that at week 16, uh, the adjusted mean changes uh, from baseline and SF36, both physical and mental scores were significantly improved uh, with active drug versus placebo. And when you looked at this data more granularly, you saw five of eight domains with decrabacitin of six um, were uh, uh, improved. And uh, at the 12 milligram dose, six of eight domains were improved. So at this early stage of development, uh, we can say that PSA patients receiving ducravacitinib uh, reported clinically meaningful uh, and significant improvements in health-related quality of life um, in addition to physical functioning and pain. So staying on this topic of PSA, Bissett and colleagues examined the impact of early pain improvement in patients with active PSA. So data from the SELECT-1 PSA study was evaluated to investigate correlations between pain and meaningful improvement to other patient reported outcomes. So the background of this is that, you know, pain identified by Grappa and OMERAC working group uh, is a core domain in PSA, but it's often uncontrolled, especially in patients who are failing non-biologic DMARD. So this, they took the SELECT PSA-1 data set to see if meaningful improvements in pain was associated with other PROs. And a summary of this is that there was significantly greater proportion of patients had meaningful pain improvement with upadacitinib or adalimumab compared with placebo, starting as early as week two. For those with meaningful pain improvement at week 24 versus those without, a significantly greater proportion reported values greater than the mini minimal clinically uh, important difference in all PROs. So we can say that overall, meaningful paid improvement is closely linked 
with meaningful improvement in other outcomes of PSA. So I think that that is intuitive um, uh, and uh, I, I think that more work needs to be done. The final PSA study I've chosen for today was by Philip Meese and colleagues on a phase two controlled clinical trial investigating the efficacy and safety of Breposytinib. Um, improvements in quality of life were assessed along with disease activity and adverse events through week 52. So this drug is a small molecule which hits TIC2 and JAK1. It's already a topical drug, now moving into uh, oral clinical trials uh, for plaque psoriasis, um, uh, PSA, and beyond. This phase 2B trial randomized uh, patients at two doses of this drug, uh, 30 and 60 versus placebo, and 218 patients um, with uh, PSA. So the key results were at week 16, there was a significantly higher proportion in the uh, active drug group achieving ACR20 um, as early as week two and continuing to increase by week 16 and maintained to week 52. Overall at this time, this new drug, uh, it looks like a JAK inhibitor, but it included cases of serious herpes zoster and changes in lab. There were no MACE, BTE, or deaths. So at this early time, um, uh, this drug, Breposytinib, uh, demonstrated superiority to placebo across numerous PSA domains uh, and with a safety profile that looks like a JAK inhibitor. So more to come. Shifting our focus away from PSA, Gillard and colleagues discussed a, an interesting but very small seven-patient retrospective study looking at JAK inhibitors to treat refractory adult and childhood Stills disease with the aim of evaluating risk-benefit ratios of treating this uh, tough disease, um, uh, which might allow reductions of steroids. Uh, 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 and so let me, let me show you this data. You know, the background of this is, is that uh, juvenile and adult Stills that are refractory to steroids is a scary disease. Uh, carries a lot of morbidity. Uh, the options here, um, uh, narrow greatly. Um, uh, the, both of these uh, diseases carry risks of transforming into MAS. Um, so they looked at this retrospective study based on a uh, survey of French hospitals, and they found seven patients, five adults, two kids. Um, uh, and uh, from these, baricitinib was used in four patients. Uh, one later switched to apatacitinib, one uh, ruxolotinib, um, and then one with TOFA. Um, reviewing this, they came out with a global um, assessment of whether patients were responding or not. And no complete responses were observed, but there are partial responses, uh, had an average of 63% and patients with no response um, uh, uh, were able to reduce steroids by 65%. So there's something there with this. Uh, Jack intolerance was excellent, but one developed an organizing pneumonia and discontinued. Um, so the conclusion from this uh, very tiny study was is that it may have a role uh, in some patients with refractory stills, uh, but probably not likely to be effective as monotherapy. And additional data is clearly needed um, uh, to elucidate its role and possible mechanisms in this disease. So. 
I'd like to uh, round up today's uh, highlights with uh, Jack's and COVID-19 infections. So, so uh, many ways to think about this uh, 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 combination. Jack inhibitors as uh, baseline therapy in patients with IMIDs uh, who develop COVID or the possibility of using Jack inhibitors to treat COVID in the hyperinflammatory phase. So finally, Haseli and colleagues compared the impacts of Jack inhibitors and TNFs on outcomes uh, of uh, COVID-19 um, and looked at confounding factors. And this study uh, uh, described the outcomes uh, of uh, SARS-CoV-2 infection in patients on these drugs. Again, they um, mined the German Registry for Inflammatory Diseases um, and looked at the course and outcome of the infection. And uh, uh, again, uh, no surprises to me, moderate and high disease activity before infection um, uh, was more frequent um, in uh, JAK inhibitor patients because uh, we reserved these for severe patients. Um, CBD and hypertension were also more frequent in patients receiving JAK inhibitors. It's a little distressing now with new warnings coming out, but uh, this is uh, over the past several years. Uh, hospitalization was needed in a third of patients treated with JAK inhibitors and 13% um, of uh, TNF inhibitors. Auction required in 25 uh, and 7% respectively in those groups. Eight fatal cases uh, in JAK inhibitors, no uh, fatal cases in TNF. So consistent with Room COVID Global Alliance data, JAK inhibitors appear to carry a greater risk for uh, COVID-19 than TNF, and uh, TNF safety has been reaffirmed in recent publications. So it's good to see at this meeting um, uh, these type of data. So this concludes our first set of highlights for ACR21. There's so much more there, but these are just things that caught my eye. I hope you enjoyed our roundup of the most interesting topics of the day, and I hope you come back tomorrow. My good friend and colleague, uh, Professor Grace Wright, will take you through the highlights from day two. In the meantime, make sure to download our ACR 2021 highlights brochure. It really has uh, all the abstracts I think that you want to see um, uh, for a closer look. That just leaves me to say thank you for joining me today.